dear Professor Waldenberger, ladies and gentlemen, it's a great pleasure for me to be here with you to congratulate DIJ for the first 30 years of Seberg. 30 years is a good age. You are long enough in the world to understand what's going on. You are young enough to welcome the challenges. And in this very moment in time, we are celebrating you. Professor Wallenberg, I thank you very much for this kind welcome you gave to me. And it was a pleasure for me to uh, meet amongst you many other friends over the past years, which we, some of them I met uh, 20 years ago, and now we see us again. And with others I had a steady contact. And uh, in particular, I am very glad that we see uh, Professor Kreiner with us. Um, I didn't know this beautiful letter which was be mentioned before from Helmut Kohl. Von uh, Estio spoke about that. Uh, but this reminds me of the very beginning of the whole issue. And uh, at that time when we sat together, uh, you had some talks with my state secretary, Hansilla, and then uh, so we sat together and talked about what would be going on. And we talked about the question, what would he, humanities and social sciences mean for this world? Humanities sometimes are beautiful things, yeah? And nothing is uh, so enjoyable as good humanity research. Uh, because this is just you talking with yourself. <laughs> and uh, in this beautiful process, you find out excellent findings which are undisputed because you are talking to yourself. <laughs> Social sciences, to some extent, is in a more difficult situation. It has to talk to society. It has to listen to what is going around. However... Social scientists are living in a world of complexity, of a high degree of complexity. And uh, the mathematicians tell us, if you have a system in which you have more uh, questions and equations, it's difficult to come to a well-founded result. So, Social scientist, in some way, is uh, something beyond the classical definition of logical sciences. It's to a good extent inspiration. It's understanding of a complexity which is beyond the formula. And uh, if we are now uh, are living in a complex world, okay. So more complex the world will be, so more difficult will it be to understand it. But if you don't understand it, if we just stick to say if send relations in some points, if we do not try to understand the world as a system, and from the view on the total system go back to the actual questions. 
if we cannot achieve that, we are uh, uh, most probably going to harm. The impact of uh, humans through the balances of nature is not anymore the image You mentioned the anthropogenic climate change, but there are other issues as well. But if it's so, we have to understand what we are doing, which are the alternatives, what is the impact of one decision to the whole system. And this question is a question to social scientists in a dialogue with the rest of the world. And when we talked about it, uh, Professor Greiner, we both were aware that uh, we have a long and good tradition of classical chaponology in Germany. Uh, and you personally, uh, you always did enjoy language and poetry and uh, woodcuts and uh, you did enjoy <laughs> Japanese cooking, yeah? Uh, so this is a cultural integrated culture. But this is now under, under stress as any culture in our, in our world. And to understand what is going on, to understand how one deals in different cultures with the different challenges of a changing world. This was the question we asked. And I did appreciate that said that a very experienced scientist in classical technology uh, was prepared to look into this other world. Okay, your successors uh, did it in their own way, yeah? Florian Kulma said, this is work about happiness, yeah? Uh, these were beautiful articles in which uh, I learned very much about my own happiness uh, reading the articles, yeah? Reflecting what others think of. Uh, which was aware of the simple fact that uh, in her time Japanese Japan was in integrated more into the Asian context of all over. And Asia was integrated more in the worldwide context, in the markets in the financial markets, in the politicals, in the export markets, in the exchange of ideas. And so she started at that time at Japan and Asia, and this was an approach to a broader view of the whole thing. In the time when we founded it, and when we discussed Professor Greiner, about uh, what should it be. One should remember this was a time in which Yasuhiro Nakasone was five years prime minister in Japan. Helmut Kohl was just five years chancellor in Germany. And our countries were flourishing. Japan had organized uh, 
an approach to new technologies, learning from wherever in the world they could learn, but developing their own strategies. And the world was full of admiration. Not only because the real capital income per capita, the real per capita income in Japan doubled within 10 years and doubled again in 10 years. But because uh, Japan mentioned uh, Japan arranged to change its economy and have an impact to the market in a unique way. Miti's strategy of combining the competence of competing firms in one project. So flat screen was a very good example. By the way, uh, the first Miti project in which a German firm was partner as well. Yeah? In the beginning, she, uh, Miti uh, had explained to me that it's not possible that Germans might take part in a Japanese project, but we found out it's good for both of us. MIT study on the machines that changed the world, uh, the car manufacturer in Japan, which was revolutionized. Fast exchange of tools within 15 minutes and eight, of eight hours, creating a vast possibility of uh, tailor-made cars according to the wishes of the customers. And this all came to a big success. In Germany, uh, our big enterprises say, uh, okay, uh, they had the impact in the markets. But even the small and medium-sized enterprises did understand in the early 80s what it means to work with the laser, which new materials are available what means the chip, microelectronics for the machine tool industry, uh, surface technologies. Our industry was not always the first one to invent something, yeah? But in most times they were excellent in combining technologies and systems as a master of systems. And in this uh, time, based upon the, the good tradition of friendship between Japan and Germany, we created this institute. This was a friendship in mutual admiration. Yeah? Uh, when I came uh, at that time to the flat of my girlfriend uh, as a student, uh, this was before, I admit that. Uh, but uh, uh, the wave of Hokusai uh, was hanging at the wall, and uh, this was uh, uh, something which uh, was a part of the German understanding of Japan. And in the 80s, we met in Tokyo and sang Heideröslein in a karaoke bar. Yeah? So the cultures liked each other. But uh, on this basis, to understand what is going on. This was the real mission of the Institute.
to understand what is what makes Japan tick. How do they manage with the problem? And how can they cope with the challenges which are coming up? Now, uh, I had in mind, I'm, uh, I'm carefully prepared, yeah? Um, I had in mind uh, to uh, uh, tell you something about uh, the impact of uh, the studies of the Institute, but this was mentioned by everybody. Um, so, uh, you may say everything in this respect has been said, not yet by, any, by everybody, uh, but uh, let me just uh, refer to what has been said. Uh, the development of the Institute is going on, and the interesting part of the whole thing is not the admiration of the past, but such uh, ideas how to cope with the future. I think at the moment the Institute is uh, well prepared. It has been mentioned, and uh, you alluded to it, the conferences. And, uh, you are starting an international conference tomorrow, talking about uh, AI and big data. The attraction for some young scientists worldwide. And I think we were uh, 70 professors around the world which at some time of their career were members of the Institute and working here as students or postdocs. You have your academic journal, which is a platform for discussions. You have a network to decision makers in politics, in economy, in industry, which listen to you and understand how they could deal with the problem which we have to solve jointly. And so, in many respects, you are in a situation on which you can build. But what do you have to build? I think, um, Professor Waldenberger, it's a very important point which you mentioned. The, um, Risks and opportunities challenge in the face of an increasingly uncertain future. This is um, a broad field, this covers uh, nearly everything, but uh, from a certain question. What can we do? On which basis do we base our decisions? In a world which has, is threatened, amongst others, by fake news, it's important to have some institution which really is bound to truth. This is not the IHA around here. Uh, okay, you are a beautiful institute, but uh, I would not believe that you could cover all the problems of this uh, world. But you have some uh, 
networks and institutions around, networks with institutes which are thinking uh, along the same lines, which are asking the same questions. The Ken uh, John F. Kennedy School at Harvard University is working on science, technology, and society. Okay, this is exactly the interface where we are talking about. Similar initiatives we have in Germany, the Foundation Stiftung Neue Verantwortung is familiar to some of us here in the room. But even uh, su successful private persons did found uh, Jan Talin, uh, was a co-founder of Skype, and he earned some money with it, as some of us might know. He made uh, the Future of Life Institute. So in different parts of the world, and these are only few ones which I mentioned, the same question is raised. Obviously within the respective cultures of the societies. The scientific discussion in USA is different from the scientific discussion in Germany or in Japan. However, they all stick to the same principle. The desire to understand what is going on and the challenge of a rational discourse. And so, uh, Herr Weidenberger uh, has mentioned some of the fields uh, which uh, we have now to face. But before talking about, about the problems, we should mention the chances. Science was never so powerful as today. And technology based upon good science was never so promising as it is today. You mentioned biotechnology. Biotechnology is a completely different degree of understanding of nature and life. So it's just 60 years old. It's a young science. But in this time, we had not only learned how it works and which instrument we are, we even have learned how we can use it to solve problems. Within soon, we will have more than 9 billion people all over the world. And at the same time, we are losing agricultural ground each year to concrete, to deserts, to salted water. And the question is, how do we get the food? And green biotechnology may be in part of the answer. Plants which are surviving near the desert or high north in Siberia, which fight their own enemies and poison them. Two harvests per year in other regions. 
sometime previously. This is a, a question of good science, a question of good understanding of technology. But beyond that, this is a question of public acceptance. If people do not understand what we are doing, why, they will not accept new technologies. So the challenge on the one hand is to realize at a very early moment in time where problems might arise. What could be dangerous? Where is the critical point which we have to look into? How could we make it safe? But having said that, is the second part of the process the dialogue with, first of all, the scientific community, second, with the newspapers. Even today, exist some ex intelligent newspapers, yeah? <laughs> much to our surprise. It might be far better in Japan. I have not looked at those figures. But our good newspapers are losing every year about 2% uh, of their uh, copies. And uh, they are losing even more uh, of the advertisement on uh, which basis they uh, are finding, financing themselves. But we did need them to make clear what are the pros and cons and how do we come to decisions. Now, I think science has even beyond its traditional challenges. The challenge first to make clear where are the possibilities to decide. What happens if we do this? What happens in the end to that? Which are the alternatives? Only if we can uh, understand the alternatives, we can reasonably decide. This is on the one hand, the technical alternatives, maybe even the economic alternatives. But on the other hand, an understanding of what will people think about that? How could we make it clear? In biotechnology, we have an uh, incredible success in the so-called red biotechnology in pharmaceuticals. Not yet in somatic gene therapy on which we relied 20 or 30 years ago. It always takes longer and costs more, yeah? But uh, more than half of, any, every, of, of all new pharmaceutical products are biotechnology. And some of them are really addressing diseases in which we have in the past quite purpose. Thus we have the chance to solve problems. And we see a broad public acceptance. And to uh, Creates that in other fields, not just in uh, trying to uh, organize a good propaganda, 
but to organize the clear cut and the rational discussion. This might be a very important challenge with all the technologies we are talking about. You mentioned nuclear energy. Um, Germany has made a decision um, which some of us feel was a little bit too fast. Yeah? Uh, but I'm not uh, going into this discussion as uh, Japanese, uh, Japan made a different decision. It was a careful consideration what could we do by when. Because the challenge, the challenge is we need energy, but we know meanwhile that the fossil energy will destroy our, uh, the balance of our climate on Earth. This is a worldwide discussion. Science has, and technology have many interesting answers. Nuclear doesn't contribute at all to greenhouse effects. But nuclear has other problems which we all know. And how to make nuclear so safe that we can say it's responsible. And even if we could, there are new reactors under development which are promising, but the weather they ever will come to the market is a different question. But even if we had it, we cannot do it without the consensus of the citizens' concerns. So we need a discussion which reaches beyond the scientific community. We have to find the partners. We have to go out. It's very rare in Germany, maybe it's far, far better with you, uh, that the scientist about the relevant uh, issue is talking in TV, yeah? So it might uh, be a question of the scientists and this might be a question of the TV uh, station. But if we don't organize this dialogue, we will have problems. You mentioned, uh, I don't know whether you were that, maybe one of the colleagues, the aging societies. You were confronted with the question far earlier than we. And you did cope with it with the possibilities you saw. AI, artificial intelligence, robotics. Some years ago, Mr. Abe said uh, the most logical thing would be uh, to have a higher birth rate in Japan. But this is not easy to organize by, pol by politics. Yeah? People get children not uh, because politics feels that it's right, but for very personal reasons. And they enjoy it, if so. Aging society, migration. This is a challenge for a well-established and 
unique cultural tradition in your country. It's uh, something which in the past was not within the tragedy of your nation. Does this make sense? Can it make sense? If it makes sense, how we can manage it? How can we really organize a system in which the people we need do come, the right people, and integrate, and do not organize subcultures? In some places in Germany, people feel that we have not yet solved the problem. Thus, wherever you are looking to, we have instruments which we never had before. In science and on technologies based on science. But we have problems in which we are happy if we know the right answers. There are the right questions. We do not yet know the right answers. In, in this situation, it's good to challenge the creativity of as many as possible. Yeah? Um, it's dangerous to have early answers when you don't know everything you need to know. Transform intelligence, whatever that means in detail, might be a part of the answer. When we uh, brought into the discussion the beautiful word industry uh, 4.0 in 2013 at the Hanover Fair, nobody really did know what it could mean. But it was an excellent slogan. And everybody in the community, in the scientists, in the enterprises, in the small and medium-sized enterprises, in the startups, started to think, what could that mean for me? What could that mean for my enterprise, for my business? What could that mean here for unsolved societal problems, for platforms? And suddenly... Without uh, giving, uh, we didn't subsidize industry 4.0. We didn't describe what it should be. We just had the flag, yeah? Uh, And everybody felt it must mean something because it's a very big flag. (laughs) And two years later, Japan, when when I came here after in uh, 2013, uh, in uh, four, where uh, everybody asked me what is uh, industry 4.0. Yeah. And quite frankly, I told them what I'm telling you now. Uh, I could have had a speech of different kind, but this would not have been very helpful. And two years later, when I came to Japan again, my Japanese friend said to me, OK, we have something new. Society 5.0. <laughs> and I said, this is a brilliant idea. And what we are going to organize? Yeah, we are working on that. And a year later, I asked them again, 
Uh, well, patent, yeah, it's too early to talk about it, but everybody thinks it's a brilliant idea. Yeah? I think this is a wise approach. Challenge the people, challenge the intelligent people in science, in politics, in uh, enterprises. The students at the university, whether they want to have the startup, <coughs> challenge them with an idea. And society 5.0, beyond industry 4.0, it includes something more, a new dimension. This is not only uh, artificial intelligence explicitly. Okay, this is uh, to a good extent in industry 4.0 as well. Yeah? But it's the impact of the whole thing, what happens in societal processes. And this is a real problem we are facing. Technically, we can do very, technically, we can do nearly everything. Yeah? There are so many problems <coughs> in which you have uh, three or four completely different uh, solutions. And we get more solutions every day. But how to organize a process? in which the change of technology helps in the development of societies instead of setting disruptive points. If you don't understand what happens, the tensions in society might go. You are Noah Harari, uh, spoke in one of his books uh, about uh, the ideologies. In the 30s, you could choose between fascism and communism and liberalism. In the 90s, uh, in, uh, after the war, we had lost fascism, yeah? In the 90s, we lost communism. Everybody felt how beautiful liberalism, freedom, democracy, justice, this will remain for the common details in an open and free, peaceful world. And now you are right, Can we realize that democracy and liberalism will survive? So we are not talking about Problems, singular problems. We are not problem, talking about system problems. We are talking about what will be the society in which we will be living in the future. Will it be able to cope with the challenges of the difficult world, of an increasingly uncertain future? Or will it fail? Can we keep the communities, the worldwide order of peace together? Can we in our countries keep societies in consensus? Democracy is challenged. Look at Turkey. I do not talk about US since this is a very special case. Look about Brazil. 
the new elected president. Look about North Korea. China is uh, not a typical democracy. <laughs> and all the, are regarding themselves as extremely successful societies. Maybe with the except of Russia, with the except of Turkey, with the except of North Korea. But in the end, there are examples in which such societies work and are successful. And these are the challenges to our values and to our basic understanding of the world. And in this context, we will have to work. You will have to work. The community will have to work. Yeah? I am very much looking forward what will come out of, out of it. Do we ask the right questions in the right time? Do we organize the right people to answer them? Do we have an open dialogue? Do we fight fiercely enough fake news? Do we fight for the rationality of discussions? Again, the IHA has not to do it alone. Yeah? The beauty of science is that it's an international, a global community more than any other community. More globalized, more integrated. For the simple reason, everybody knows uh, if he wants to hold back something, he's out. Because nobody's interested to talk with him anymore. And in this world, the IHA might can contribute something in the years to come. I wish you brilliant brains. I wish you excellent papers. I wish you good partners worldwide. I wish you a loud voice in talking to politics based upon the rational argument. I wish you a good dialogue with the decision makers of different fields of our society. And I wish you that after, after all, you are aware of the risks, but uh, you rely on our possibilities to cope with them. Without optimism, we cannot survive. The pessimist has lost before he began. And thus, on base of truth, not on fake news, to show what can be done and what has to be done, and to fight for it in a democratic society, this is a challenge. And so I wish you the best for the forthcoming 30 years. Then we will come together and sit together and then we will talk about what have we achieved. What have we achieved as an institute? And what have we achieved as a society? And if we do it in a good spirit, in mutual understanding, in respect for the differences, but in the firm belief 
that we have the responsibility of the, for the world, each one on his place. And this will be a good meeting at your 60th anniversary. <laughs> yeah, I wish to conquer the later and let's talk. <laughs> <laughs>